Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not a member of the Hawk and Cleaver Facebook group, then I'm sorry to say you are living in the Matrix, my friend. So grab a red pill, wash it down with a cappuccino, and prepare to unplug yourself by heading to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. There you can join in with the movie nights, the book club, Joshua Boucher's Choose Your Own Misadventure series, flash fiction writing prompts, and soon we'll be doing a drawing competition where we're all going to do a rendition of Kez, the managing editor of The Other Stories, a great evil management team of one, part-time hawk and part-time butcher and full-time menace to society. Once again, that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. Today's episode of The Other Stories is Mergers and Acquisitions, written by Dan Howarth and narrated by James Barnett. I wake up on the toilet in the office block, porcelain cold against my bare legs, my balls dangling over the bowl, my face lolling against the faux wood of the cubicle wall, drool on my lower lip. The automatic lights click off and plunge me into darkness. I must have been asleep for five minutes again. The cubicle walls are floor to ceiling, eliminating all light and noise. I wave my arms until the motion sensor picks up the movement and everything kicks back in. The lights, the fans. 
I pull up my pants and roll my shoulders. In the selfie camera on my phone, I sort out my hair and straighten my tie. In the sink, I wash my face and dry it on paper towels. The face staring back at me is meeting ready. More than presentable enough to sit on Skype for three hours to Tokyo and get one half of this deal done. With my fingers, I coerce a few strands of hair back into place and I mutter Japanese platitudes under my breath. Outside in the corridor, I straighten up my jacket and as I walk to the meeting room, I myself in the glass panels of the corridor as I make my way to the boardroom. Peterson appears from his office, his suit hanging off his skinny frame at strange angles, his eyes wet with that moist-eyed look he always gives me. The way he looks at all his superiors. I don't have time for his bullshit and stride right past him to the boardroom. John! John! Wait! I stop. One hand on the boardroom door. What do you want, Martin? Can't be late for the Tokyo meeting. He frowns. Wrinkles creasing his pale, permanently sweating forehead. Then he smiles like he's heard a joke. But you're not. You crushed it. That's what I wanted to say. Just congratulations. You were brilliant in there. Well done. I did? I was? Of course I was. I always am. Yeah, cheers. Just need to get my phone from in there. That's all I meant. Okay, you going to Diamante's later? The deal's 50% there. Some of them in marketing are organising a big blowout few beers and all that. Who's going? Everyone. Even Cartwright's going. Says he's getting the first round in. Even if it means spending a few minutes in public with Peterson, you don't turn down the chance to have a drink with the CEO of the company. Everybody knows that promotions aren't decided in the boardroom or during meetings in Japanese with clients. They're decided over meals and drinks on the company dime. Hell yes, I'm going to be there. Of course I'm going. Cartwright mentioned it to me just now. But I didn't have the details. Anytime after seven, I've heard. Peterson shuffles his feet before he speaks again. He's blushing like he's about to ask me on a date. If you have a moment tonight, John, could I ask you to help me with a few Japanese phrases? Perhaps run a few business ideas past you. Maybe see if you think I could be executive material one day. Absolutely not. Consider this ladder well and truly pulled up from the likes of you, Peterson. You snivelling little toad. Let's see what happens, pal. I slap him on the shoulder and pretend to look for my phone in the boardroom. Back at my desk, I check my calendar online. The Tokyo meeting was three hours ago. Other people, more important people than Peterson, have told me how impressive I was in there. Why can't I remember it? Between meetings with Tokyo and Dallas and Sydney, I can't remember what fucking day it is, let alone the time. My limbs ache. I need to sleep. To get a decent eight hours worth. Just for once. To let my guard down and my eyes close and my mind fill with nothing. Even now as my eyelids get heavy, an alert goes off. Texas is awake. They'll be online in 15 minutes. Wheels begin to turn on part two of this deal before part one is even inked. 
One of the perks of having your own office is choosing your furnishings. On the countertop is the coffee machine. Underneath is a mini fridge. I reach into the fridge and pull out an energy drink at random. Its luminous can screams at me about alertness and power. Apparently this one is guava flavour. Isn't that what they call bat shit? It certainly tastes like shit, but all that matters is the caffeine that starts to thud through my temples, and in a few minutes, eight hours of sleep just seems like a waste of time. One of the marketing team has brought some coke. Of course they have. There's always some nosebag at these things. They're in and out of the toilets like they've got bladders the size of thimbles, thinking no one will notice. There's no time for all that. It seems the thing's in full swing by the time I arrive, casually late. Johnny boy, says Cartwright when he sees me. He's pissed as a fart with a glass of something fizzy in one hand and a cig in the other. Smoking's been banned inside for about 20 years, but he's too hammered to remember, and too important to give a shit. Music thunders in the background, so loud it makes me wince. Where have you been? This thing is just winding down. Winding down? I'm only half an hour late. I check my watch and it's gone 10. Fucking thing must have stopped. As per, I just think on my feet. Just had a few pre-drinks to loosen up. It's fine. Nice work on the Japanese. Oh, and the Yanks. Pulled a real smooth one there. Not my first rodeo. Won't be your last at this rate. Answer me this question. Oh baby, tell me more. This is it. It's going to offer me something big. Who's better for the new executive VP role? Price or Turner? You fucking what? These two cretins? Two Muppets I can run rings around and they're ahead of me? I thought for a minute you were going to offer it to me, Jimmy. He smiles. Sips his drink. Says nothing as he nods his head in time to the music. Peterson walks past, still wearing his badly fitting suit. Hey Peterson, can you go get me a whiskey? Sure John, sure. What type? Most expensive they have. How? Get the bottle. I need to discuss something with Jimmy. take the rest of the bottle back to mine. Three of us in the taxi. Me, Cartwright and Peterson. Clutching the bottle like it's his family heirloom. Peterson cramping my style. Hanging round like a stubborn stain in the toilet bowl. As the taxi passes through a tunnel, I let my eyes close for a few seconds. Pitch black. Then we're up in my flat. Full colour. Cartwright with his feet on my coffee table, still with his shoes on. Peterson slumped on the sofa. Me stood swaying nearby, drinking Jack Daniels from the bottle. Ugh, Jack Daniels. As if that's all he bought. You don't buy your CEO Jack Daniels for Christ's sake. This is why Peterson will never go anywhere, and I will. He doesn't have a clue about class and power. And then the pasty little shit starts talking. 
pontificating from my sofa like he's my equal. If you ask me, Jimmy, John should get the promotion. He's the best of the lot of them. He tips his glass at me like a benevolent uncle who just got around in at a wedding. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. He just needs a year or two, that's all. Cartwright's words all slide together in one syllable. Between the three of us, we can barely keep our eyes open. My watch says 3am. Piece of shit mustn't have broken after all. Go on. Give it to him, says Peterson from my couch. Cartwright swirls the jack in his glass. Looks up at me. Looks at his watch. Martin, can I speak to you for a second? I say, beckoning to him. Peterson gets up and follows me out of the room. I close the door between the living room and the kitchen. Peterson stands facing me, his back to the wall. He smiles at me, simpering, swaying from side to side. What are you doing? Shut up about the promotion. I'm helping you, mate. Doing it for you. I don't need anyone to do anything for me. I nod and smile until he visibly relaxes, as though he thought he was in trouble. More whiskey then? I nod, and before he can move, I grab his face and smash his head into the solid wall behind. The thud it makes is so satisfying that I give it another go, and then another, and another. Like a headboard banging against the wall, an incredible rhythm, the sound almost sexual. When his body hits the floor, I start kicking and stamping, and soon Peterson isn't pale anymore. He's claret, he's scarlet, he's red and messy and broken. One of his eyes stares up at me, but from where he's gone, he won't be able to see me. When it's done, I lean both bloodied hands against the white kitchen wall and calm my breathing. As the adrenaline begins to fade, the energy drains from my body. The booze bites back and threatens to make me pass out, threatens to make me sick. Blackness shrinks around my vision every time I blink. I shake my head, shake some sense into me. I'm back out in the living room. Cartwright's passed out on the couch, snoring like a hog, his fat hands gripping the now-empty bottle of Jack. It would be so easy to just curl my fingers around his throat or to kneel on his neck until something important cracks. But it can't be that simple. Cartwright going means a new CEO. Someone new to butter up and scrape to. Besides, if he gets a taxi out of here, he's my witness. I slap him on the cheek and he shudders awake, gawping at me and not knowing where he is. I'll call you a taxi, Jimmy. My eyes open to pieces of Peterson. An ankle here, a forearm there. 
some in bin bags, some not. A whole block of kitchen knives is scattered across the floor and kitchen sites. There's a hacksaw in my hand that surely isn't mine. I wake up in the kitchen on my hands and knees. Fairy liquid bubbling up my wrists. Foaming shades of red on the tiles. Wet rags lying around me. My phone alarm wakes me on the couch. Cartwright's wallet in my hands. My head's splitting. Sunlight batters me through the open curtains. Time for work. My stomach rumbles. A deep, aching pit at the centre of me. There's still time for food. Gently, I open the kitchen door, braced for the worst. Squinting through one open eye. Wincing as the door swings open. The kitchen is immaculate. Beyond clean. Everything shines. It's like a kitchen showroom in this place. I open the fridge and it's empty. This place is like a showroom in more ways than one. In the car, the radio tells me it's Wednesday. That's wrong. We just hit Wednesday. I drank most of Wednesday to death. I park up. Cartwright's Mercedes shines in his designated parking spot right by the lift. Next to it is the empty space reserved for the executive VP. Prime real estate. Soon to be mine. Price and Turner are both already here. Their Audis in their usual spots. Park up next to them in the senior management spaces. Our brand new motors sparkle like the forecourt of an upmarket garage. Peterson's piece of shit red Fiat catches my eye as the lift doors close to take me up to the office. My computer calendar pings and wakes me. The alert tells me I'm due in the boardroom to speak to Tokyo right now. What the fuck? We wrapped Tokyo. It's done. Signed. Sealed and all that shit. I knock back an energy drink and run to the boardroom. No time to piss. Japanese greetings on my lips, my bladder bulging. At the door to the boardroom, Peterson steps out from his office and puts his hand on my arm. I shout out and drop my laptop. He picks it up from the floor with a smile. Knock him dead. You'll thrive now you've got that opportunity to lead that pitch. But where's Cartwright? Called in sick, I think. Anyway, now's the time. Don't forget us little men when you're up there as the new exec VP. Yeah, right. I open the door to the meeting room and everyone turns to look at me. Without a word, I slide into Cartwright's seat, just as a Tokyo business manager appears on the video conference screen. Good morning, everyone. Let's get started, I tell them and crack my knuckles. Smiling, I scrape away a speck of dried blood from my cuticle and begin at the beginning.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Mergers and Acquisitions was written by Dan Howarth, narrated by James Barnett, edited by Carl Hughes and music by Daniel Birch and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration is provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Dan Howarth is a writer and editor from the north of England, where he recognises only the authority of Marcus Rashford, the true king in the north, rather than the UK government. Dan's debut collection, Dark Missives, will be out imminently. Head over to danhowarthwriter.com to find out more. James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast, a short story fiction podcast of tales of horror and the paranormal. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch other works of his at James Barnett Author. Dot com and that's Barnett spelled B-A-R-N-E-T-T. If you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories, you can help the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about podcasts over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters and comic books are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time.